0: Welcome to the Realtors Land Institute podcast, the Voices of Land, the industry's leading land real estate organization. Hello, this is Justin Osborne, accredited land consultant with the Wells Group Real Estate Brokerage in Southern Colorado and Northern New Mexico. For today's podcast guest, we have Phil McGinnis, CCIM, GAA, ACOM, ALC, and EPRO. Topic today is going to be land investment basics. Thank you for being with us today, Phil. Hey, it's my pleasure, Justin. Glad to be here. So, you're the managing broker of the McGinnis Commercial Real Estate Company and you've been uh, licensed as a real estate agent and a realtor in Delaware for more than 30 years. Uh, 40, actually. This is my uh, 41st year now. Oh, 41st year. Man, Well, lots of education there. And uh, greatly appreciate everything that you do for the industry. And I know you're a fellow instructor uh, here with RLI on the land invas- uh, land investment analysis course.
1: Uh, is there other courses that you're teaching as well? No, I teach the um, the VILT version, the webinar version. I would have taught the classroom version at Land U, scheduled, unscheduled, rescheduled, and unscheduled again. So. Uh, We've been struggling with pandemic, pandemonium, uh, just like everybody else. So, Well, what do you have for our listeners today
0: on kind of big takeaways that they need to understand when it comes down to land investment basics?
1: Well, there's uh, uh, an awful lot um, that goes into it. I think um, certainly, uh, and as the Realtors Land Institute prescribes, uh, investment in land is a good, sound investment. Uh, doesn't have to be improved. I think speculation land is uh, uh, starting to pick up a little bit uh, as people anticipate uh, new and exciting adventures. I'm not sure just what the COVID result's going to be. Uh, certainly, uh, you got two or three opinions on what's going to happen to, for example, office space. Uh, some people, uh, the chairman of the Fed thinks we're going to need more office space because of social distancing, and I think we're going to need less office space because people are learning to work from home. So people are still going to want to invest in land, I think, in real estate, generally speaking. So I see vacant land as the speculation land as the biggest new horizon.
0: Well, I, I totally agree with you on that. I've got several clients that are not going to be renewing the leases that they have on their office space. So it's hard for me to think that we're going to need more of it. I think we're going to see more supply than we have demand on that front. And on the the speculative side for land, uh, I call it land banking and I've got clients doing that very thing when there's uh, what's the word just uncertainty in the economy. Uh, it seems like that a lot of these these bigger land transactions, especially, uh, ranches with water rights do really, really well where we're at. And so I'm, I'm seeing that take place right now. Um, as we're doing this recording where people are putting their money in land uh, for the long haul, that is, you know, oh, yeah, we, yeah, we don't have people doing it saying, all right, let's, let's flip it in six months. You know, it's typically for the long haul, but they,
1: they know what they're doing and they come out ahead when they do it. Oh, I've got clients that only buy farms uh, and not, Farms destined to be subdivisions, although better still. But uh, um, yeah, land banking is a good term for it. Uh, we do a lot of that up here in the mid-Atlantic states. Uh, you've got big tracks down in your neck of the woods. You're like the northwest quarter of the southwest quarter of the east half and all that kind of stuff that we teach in real estate math. And you know, we just have quarter acres and half acres. Well, I mean, we have big farms, but um, just the same. Well, you know,
0: our NAR code of ethics starts off with under all is the land. And, you know, I can't think of anybody better to talk on that than you. And so what's what do you have for our listeners as a takeaway
1: on that? Well, I think, uh, you know, again, um, the idea that they're not making more of it, uh, unless you're in Ocean City, Maryland, or some markets, maybe uh, Orlando, Florida, where they're filling in the marshes and making some more land. But um, – you know, generally speaking, I think um, um, undeveloped land is, there's still plenty of it. Um, I think uh, keeping our eye on the regulations and, you know, making sure that we can uh, keep private property rights rolling right along in a fair manner, a fair, um, equitable way, uh, I think is probably the best thing for us to worry about. But uh, other than that, I like investing in land, so I'm bullish on it. And what do you see as
0: kind of some of the risk that somebody who's never invested in land before
1: kind of needs to be aware of? Well, I think uh, the biggest risk uh, when buying land is the idea that uh, your income is limited. So, you know, you need to be able to carry it. Uh, Typically, farm rents, if you're doing farms and even I mean even if you're doing commercial parcels uh or development parcels, there's typically very little income so you're gonna have to be able to carry it. So it's you know, it's either a cash buyer or uh or relatively deep pockets or, you know, at least the ability to carry it. I think low interest rates is very helpful there. I look around at, you know, some of the rates around here we're uh investment properties are down around 4% interest on mortgages, uh, unheard of. Um, You know, my mom and dad bought a house in the mid 60s. And they bragged for years and years in the 70s and 80s that uh, their mortgage rate was 4%. And uh, I can remember when I first got my license, holy moly, the residential mortgage rate, the the Primary residential mortgage rate was thirteen and a half percent. It got to seventeen and a half. Prime got to twenty five percent. Golly! And uh, so that shows. See, I'm I'm old, old enough to remember that, but not so old that uh, I don't remember. I that I forgot it. But um, and so with low interest rates, uh, you know, um, so you got to be able to carry it and pay the expenses and whatnot. And I think probably the only other thing that might be a little bit scary is that uh, the equity requirements for vacant land are usually higher than you know what you might see in an improved property. So, where you can get 15, 20, 25% equity requirement, 75% loan to value, if you will, on improved properties, you're probably closer to 50 or 60% um, loan so yeah. to value. So, you're gonna need a big, you know, you're gonna to need to have some cash.
0: Yeah, we, we definitely see that where a, a property that may have infrastructure to it or utilities, uh, central water, central sewer is definitely going to have much better terms than uh, a rural off-grid property. And coincidentally, as a result of that, if it's not a cash deal, we see a lot of owner carry um, you know scenarios, land contracts. Do you mm-hmm. deal with much of that up there
1: in Delaware? We are starting to. We're, we're starting to get into owner financing. And for a couple of reasons. Uh, you know, when, when I first got in the business, uh, because the rates were so high, um, you could get along. I mean, you know, I, I've been in it so long. I've seen the market cycle up and down and sideways and all around so many times that, uh, I have to collect my surroundings to remember exactly which recession I was in when I was in it. But, um, uh, you know, back in the early 80s, uh, the rates were just climbing like crazy, but you could get a loan. It wasn't hard to get a loan. Uh, equity requirements, you know, you had 10% down, 20% down, that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, the hard part in those days was with interest rates as high as they were, prime rate was 25%. And your typical commercial loan was prime plus two. It floated because the rates were popping, you know, my golly, one day. Monday, you'd come in the office, it was 20%. Tuesday, it was 21. Friday, it was 22. And I mean, you just, and so lenders just didn't give you a a fixed rate, they gave you a prime plus. And so when the prime hit 25, and you were paying 27%, even though you could get the loan, you know, the rents weren't keeping up. So we saw a lot of owner financing in those days, Uh, we sort of got away from it as rates came down. And And, you know, there wasn't any real need. Um, And and then we started to see owner financing perk back up when uh, money market rates got close to zero. And that's been in the last, well, my golly, for the last 20 years, I think, maybe you don't earn any money in cash. Uh, You know, so owner financing, I think, um, is an attractive investment alternative So you can get a better yield there. But uh, I'm starting to see now, uh, again, uh, an awful lot of owner financing. Um, They're trying to prop prices up a little bit. And um, like I said, there, you know, no better yield anywhere else except maybe the stock market. You know, some people land people are just not stock market people. Sure. And so if you're a real estate investor, whatever form or whatever side of real estate you're in, You're not a stock person, so most people don't worry about that. Well, I'm curious, as you've seen these kind
0: of different markets that you mentioned over the years, have you seen the overall goals change for the land investor, or have those kind of relatively maintained, always been the same, whatever those goals might be?
1: Well, I think, generally speaking, the goal of the real estate investor, whether it's land or anything else, is make as much money as you can. And I think that's been the goal of humanity since they were drawing pictures on the cave walls. Um, you know, that, that goal, I don't think ever changes. Uh, now, you know, whether or not um, you're willing to expend as much of your energy, um, you know, is probably where goals, some goals change. Mm-hmm. There was a time when uh, people managed their own properties and, um, We've met an awful lot of owners who have said to us, We're, "I'm tired of managing the property. I need a property manager." So their goal is still to make as much money as they can, and paying a management fee certainly contradicts that goal. But uh, getting back some of their time, I think, is as relevant and as as important as anything else. So there's a, tra- a trade-off. And, yeah, and um, so I see property managers as. Being relatively valuable in the marketplace now.
0: Yeah, that definitely makes sense. You know, I've I've seen uh, emotional kind of value. It's it's hard to put a monetary value to it, but I've seen an emotional value with the recreational side of real estate. With you know, families saying, "All right, we've got we've got three generations of grandpa, father, and, and grandson here that are able to." To, to go fishing, spend a night in the woods, and, and keep the kids off the video games. And there's an emotional connection uh, that I, maybe I'm wrong, but I just don't remember that existing as strong 20 years ago as it is
1: now. Well, and I see that, um, Justin, in all, all sorts of things. I mean, even handing down businesses. Um, you know, I'm an SOB. Um, my dad and his partner founded my business and my, my dad's partner went out at some point as I got more and more involved in the running of the business. And then, you know, when my dad passed away 11 years ago, I took over ownership and management of the company. So, um, but I don't have anybody behind me. So, you know, where the roots of my company date back to the late 50s, um, I'm, I'm going to be the end of it. And even if I sell it to somebody, they're not going to keep it as a beginner's real estate. They're going to you know change it out to their name it's you know not like warner brothers or something like that where you got a great name you know to hold on to um so i you know the same thing with farming i see uh a lot of third and you know we're in delaware we're an old state we got a lot of old family money and old farming families fourth and fifth and even older generation farmers um And unfortunately, I'm sorry to report, I see the children of these people that just aren't interested in farming. They're not interested in being in the family business. And unfortunately, a lot of them aren't even interested in working. But, um, uh, you know, the the richer ones don't have to work and the other ones can do whatever they want. But I think, you know, nowadays, it's a whole new world out there. and, And so you have a whole different mentality and concept on maintaining the old family business. Sure. sad, but that's the way it seems to be running.
0: Well, and it seems like so many of them have, have opportunities, you know, that, that older generations didn't have. I mean, there's 13-year-olds that can fly drones for real estate videos now. You right, know? Right. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know that I can blame them saying, why do I want to work 16 hours a day farming when I can go, you know, fly a drone for three hours and make a lot more
1: money? Yeah. And better opportunities than that. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff. Uh, You know, uh, um, I I got a good Lord. I don't know how many generations it is down in Sussex County, Delaware. And it's near the beach resort area. So, you know, as the beach area grows, it grows out and, you know, we keep adding um, housing down there. And so these guys, their family, uh, has U.S. senators and all kinds of stuff involved. And, and um, they've converted a lot of their farms to subdivisions. So you switch the crops from soybeans and corn to houses. And now they, you know, they've got money. They're, they are investors and, and looking for opportunities, flipping opportunities more so than farming opportunities. And so as some of these heirs um, and later generations get their hands on cash, you know, then their investment opportunities expand. So working the farm isn't as important anymore.
0: You know, speaking of investment opportunities, I'd, I'd like to just kind of know how on the commercial side of things, you're, you're able to, to correlate and really bring that over to the land side of things. You know, so many people, you know, say they're either a commercial broker or a, a land broker or a residential broker. And I know you and I, I uh, know several people that are very successful at doing all those. Uh, right. but for, for our listeners that are out there, can you talk about kind of the experience and the correlation between the the commercial real estate side of things and the land investment side of things and the formulas that are involved to really crunch numbers?
1: I think um, the formulas, the arithmetic side of calculating yield is the same no matter what. Um, you know, the trick is calculating when you're going to get the the yield, uh, you know, when you're going to get the return. So, you know, typically with investment real estate, you know, we can calculate ongoing rents and, you know, here's a lease or however many leases you have and here are the expenses and, you know, you can pretty much see operational cash flow right away versus speculation land, you know, you're really trying to, to peg when the market's going to absorb it you know, which is when you get your return. But, you know, uh, you're still calculating it the same way. If it's uh, outgo, it's negative, income is positive. And the key thing for most real estate investments, the key thing is in the disposition side of it. So, you know, people are waiting to sell the asset. But commercial market, I mean, look, in my market, uh, I'm in a small rural market. Uh, there's 35 or 36,000 in the corporate limits, there's 55,000 in greater Dover. There's 125 or 130,000 in my County. And the whole state of Delaware is almost a million or just over a million population. So, um, you know, I have to do it all. I've got to be the commercial guy and I've got to be the leasing guy and I've got to be the land guy. And, you know, I got to be the buyer rep and the tenant and the um, tenant rep and the seller tent uh, rep. And you know, I got to do the whole thing. So, uh, I I love my friends in Wilmington. I, they call me up. I'm, I'm repping the tenant. Well, God bless you that you can do that. Uh, we can't do that here. You know, so we've got to master a whole bunch of trades. And, you know, I don't know that that's bad. Uh, keeps you busy. At least keeps you interesting.
0: Um, yeah, it's so never much dull, to learn. Never, never a dull moment when you've got to do that. You know, we, we got the same thing here where I'm out in uh, Southern Colorado and Northern New Mexico. You know, you just get these really kind of small towns that are isolated and you've got to be able to to put on the different hats to represent different people. Right. Exactly. Well, the, the land investment analysis course, our listeners can get online at RLILand.com. Uh, just click on the land you education tab and you can see when that course is going to be offered next and I would like to point out that this is uh, one of the only uh, 24-hour ALC credit courses uh, that is a required course towards earning the esteemed ALC designation. Uh, What else do you have for our listeners in wrapping up here Phil that you'd like to try to really make sure they understand with walking away on land investment basics?
1: Well I think um, for a lot of people um, a lot of of real estate agents you know seek new endeavors they they seek new opportunities and you know especially the residential guys and in every market there 's the residential guy who thinks that selling commercial is you know the the answer to the get rich quick dream um, but, I, you know, I think the program that we have for land investment analysis and the other courses that we have uh, give you a much broader concept. And uh, I think it's, you know, if you want to be a CCIM, that's great. And, you know, it's a lot more um, – it's a lot heavier. It's, a, you know, a lot more stuff, a lot more material. And the RLI is just, I think, a little bit um, easier to conceptualize and easier to get through. Um, but yeah, I recommend, uh, uh, learning how to do the land, learning this, you know, doing this program and learning how to broker land. It's going to open up a lot of opportunities for you, uh, cause land gets sold in every market, every place. So, well, I can't agree
0: more. You know, it's definitely one of those things that it seems like if I've, if I've got a residential client, I can, I can maybe juggle a handful or. Uh, a dozen at a time but the land clients you know they just seem like you can handle a a whole lot more a whole lot bigger capacity uh, because the maintenance just doesn't seem to near be as high and so i I can't agree with you more enough about the opportunity for people to get in and get educated and get involved because there's a lot of opportunity there oh it's it's boundless well phil i'd like to thank you for joining us today as an alc you are definitely a very highly regarded instructor for rli Uh, and you're an expert on land investment. And I hope our listeners will look into taking the land investment analysis course with you or one of our other great instructors so that they can enhance their own expertise on the topic. I look forward to them joining us.